We have big news in college sports, including an update on the fate of Cal and Stanford, Spanish soccer coaches are resigning en masse, and we have more on the Oakland A's and their move to Las Vegas. It's Monday, August 28th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. and Stanford are still in talks with the ACC about joining, but they've also engaged the Big 12, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. The ACC is still plan A for those schools, but they want a plan B that would keep them in the Power Five. Cal, Stanford, and SMU would forgo something like $30 million annually to enter the ACC, but some ACC schools aren't sure that's enough, which is why Cal and Stanford are starting to explore other options. If the ACC hasn't opened its doors to those schools by the middle of this week, Big 12 talks could intensify. Heading across the Atlantic, Spanish Football Federation President Luis Rubiales has still not resigned, but much of his staff has in protest of him still having a job. Rubiales kissed player Jenny Hermoso on the lips after Spain won the Women's World Cup. Rubiales said it was consensual and there was nothing wrong with it. Hermoso has said, no, it wasn't, and yes, there was. Rubiales' ongoing presence has triggered a mass exodus, which now includes the Federation vice president, four assistant coaches on Spain's senior team, two youth team coaches, and five other full-time staff members. The Spanish women's team is threatening to boycott all matches until Rubiales is removed. FIFA has suspended Rubiales for 90 days. And the Oakland A's have submitted their relocation application to MLB's relocation committee and are now trying to figure out where they're going to play after their lease expires following the 2024 season. Given that a new stadium in Las Vegas is not likely to be ready until 2028, that leaves a three-year gap. One option they are exploring is somehow sharing Oracle Park with the San Francisco Giants. Another could be staying at the Oakland Coliseum for another three years, but that would not come for free. Specifically, Oakland Mayor Shang Tao has floated the idea of demanding that, in exchange for extending the team's lease, the city would keep the name the A's for potential use by an expansion team. That might not sit well with A's president Dave Cavill, who has said that the team plans to keep the name when they move to Las Vegas. Tao has also gone as far as to say that she could demand that Oakland be awarded an expansion team when MLB expands, which they are likely to do once the A's and Rays have their stadium situation settled. Up next, I spoke to Stacy Allister, CEO of the United States Tennis Association and U.S. Open Tournament Director. The U.S. Open begins today, and this tournament marks the 50th anniversary of one of those sports moments that transcends sports and has a major impact on U.S. culture and business and history, that being Billie Jean King successfully advocating for equal pay for men and women at the U.S. Open. As you'll hear, this is not a simple story, and what King did was fraught with risk, and obviously we are still feeling the impacts of it in the sports world and the rest of the country today. That conversation is next. All right, very excited to be joined by Stacey Allister, CEO of the United States Tennis Association and U.S. Open Tournament Director. Welcome, Stacey. Thank you, Owen. On this great day, as we're uh, getting ready to host the 600 of the world's best tennis players, uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's fun to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's you know this is the event of the year for you, and it marks the fiftieth anniversary of Billie Jean King successfully advocating for equal pay at the U.S. Open uh, to the degree that you can. Take us back to that moment and what King was up against at that time. 
Well, you, you think of what was going on in uh, society in, in the early 70s, as Billy would say, you know, women couldn't even get a credit card on their own unless their husband uh, signed for them. So uh, it was really a, a, a very significant time in, in women's movement, Roe versus Wade. Uh, and it all really started in 1970 when the women were making sort of 2000 and the guys were making $12,000 at a tournament. And uh, Billy just said that wasn't right. And they formed a group called the Original Nine, and they signed a one dollar contract in 1970. And they gave up all of their opportunities for sponsorship, uh, being blackballed by establishments like the USTA, and they played in their first women's only event for five thousand dollars. That was 1970. Fast forward to 1972, Billy won the U.S. Open, and. Uh, just as she was going to media, she found out that she was earning $10,000 for winning and Elia Nastasi was earning $25,000. So she didn't really plan it, but as she got up on stage and she reflected upon it, as Billy always does, she uh, speaks her mind <laughs> and she believes that you have to step up um, and lead. And she basically said to the media, if the USTA doesn't provide equal prize money, Next year, the women aren't coming back. You know, at the time, she didn't know if the women would support her. <laughs> but uh, luckily they did. And also the significance in the 73, she won Wimbledon. She formed the WTA Tour, also celebrating its 50th. And she found a sponsor uh, to pay the difference uh, for the women's prize money. So it was impossible for Billy Talbert, the tournament director uh, of the U.S. Open, to say no. I think he was really quite surprised. But, you know, what was her leadership uh, and really the catalyst for Equal Prize Money in 73 uh, has now been the USTA's leadership for 50 years, unwavering to pay the female athletes uh, equal compensation. Yeah, when I think about it, it feels more and more to me like a Jackie Robinson moment where it wasn't just like, I mean, now, you know, obviously, equal pay is still an issue. But you know, when it comes out that a company, you know, is underpaying, paying women less for the same work, you know, they get shamed, they get sued. 1973, um, equal pay wasn't really a thing. Um, and this was a very public moment where where she took a stand. Um, and, you know, Jackie Robinson, I think had more of organizational support behind it, not to put anything, you know, not to diminish that moment in any way. But, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's in a, it's in a moment in American history. No question. Billy is such an incredible American icon. She's really provided a playbook, not only for women's sports, but for American companies and companies around the world on how to compensate their female employees and, and athletes. And I can just, we have this really cool um, uh, Champions of Equality essay on uh, usopen.org. And we reached out to female athletes and to business leaders and asked them to write in their own words the impact that Billy's leadership and courage has had on them personally. So again, just on usopen.org, Sarah Thomas, the first NFL on-field uh, official, 
uh, Don Stanley, Val Ackerman, uh, Kim Ning, uh, the first GM uh, in, in Major League Baseball, and you know a few um, sport or uh, business people, Nora O'Donnell and Shonda Rhimes. And I want to quote uh, this one quote from Shonda's essay. Her actions created a playbook for others to follow as they fought battles in their own industries. Most vitally, she provided us all with an icon and a champion who could inspire our minds into action. And uh, quite poetic from Shonda Rhimes, of course. (laughs) But really, really the strength of that quote, um, it transformed not just tennis, not just sport, but uh, across society. So yeah, um, and you spoke to the original nine and how there was some organizing work uh, done. And of course, you got it was Virginia Slims, right? The um, uh, the sponsor she got to to bridge the pay gap. Um, uh, but did did she have other leverage there, or was was she really just just charging there was, forward? There was and, no leverage. There, uh, there was no leverage, and these were the original nine. It was Gladys Hellman. She was the publisher of Tennis Magazine in 1970. And Gladys said, I'll go and find some sponsors for a women's only event. And Virginia Slims came on and they were the sponsor of the WTA tour. Uh, And that was, uh, that was their role. These original nine, they, you know, Judy Dalton from Australia lost her contract for her, for Slazenger. The federations wouldn't allow them uh, to play in national championships. They really put themselves on the line. And if we fast forward 50 years later, that's what we have seen with our national women's uh, team, with our hockey players, uh, that they're standing up and saying, we deserve more compensation. We deserve equal compensation and equal access, which is also incredibly important in this discussion. Yeah, if you could say actually a little bit more about that, just unpack what you mean by equal access. Equal access, equal access to world-class facilities to train, coaches, travel. You know, we, we've here, you know, the male team, some male teams are flying in first and the female teams uh, representing our country are in coach. Uh, now, those things have been course corrected. And, you know, these last couple of years, um, the National Women's Soccer League and the, the athlete, athlete leadership, uh, they course, course corrected that. It's a shame that they had to have a file a lawsuit and go to court. Um, and I think there's a telling difference between what happened in 1973, where, again, Billy found a corporation, a male ally who believed in women's sport and said they would pay the difference. And then the USTA did not ever look back for 49 years. And there have been lots of discussion, as you know, Owen. Oh, men play best of five. Women are only playing best of three. They don't deserve it. USTA, steadfast, always providing equal prize money. And I really also tip my hat, not just to the organization, but to the sponsors. We've had sponsors. Wilson is celebrating 45 years. Many other partners, 30 plus years. JP Morgan Chase is uh, getting close to 40 years, I think. They also have never wavered 
uh, and they've been part of the economic equation to allow the USDA to pay equal pay. Yeah, and you, you you mentioned those those things people bring up. I think the most common one I hear is around wealth. You know, the the men's sports side of thing just makes more money. So of course, there's like just more money in the pool. There's, so they're getting their slice of the pie, and naturally, it's bigger. It's entirely apples and oranges, I think, because of the underinvestment issue and how there's, there's so much <laughs> underinvestment on. That's just it. You know, uh, the companies are starting though. Like I feel uh, I'm Canadian, so those a snowball uh, analogy. We're getting a little bit of that movement. Ally Financial, uh, Canadian Tire, my homeland. They will invest equally in men's and women's sport. No longer this imbalance of sort of 95% to the men and 5% to the women. And if we just look at the economics, and if we look at who's driving consumer spend, (laughs) it's in the trillions being um, generated by women and who's making the decisions. And more and more brands, I believe, will invest more in women and in women's sport And all of us can contribute to fandom. We can all take our kids, take our nieces and nephews ourselves and go and watch and buy tickets to see women's sport. I'm old, so I'm flipping around the the, the linear channel. And you know what? There could be PGA golf on and LPGA golf on. And I will stop and be intentional to watch LPGA. And uh, the more we can all do, that ultimately uh, is going to be a big part of, of the equation. For this 50th anniversary moment, what is the USTA and the US Open doing to, to celebrate this event? Well, it's a nine-month campaign, campaign to celebrate equality. Um, we kicked it off in March, um, took Billy to Washington. We are supporting a campaign for her to be the first female athlete to receive the Congressional Gold Medal. There are 11 individual male athletes that have received uh, the Congressional Gold Medal. It's the highest honor uh, an American citizen can receive. So uh, we started with that campaign. We had the Billie Jean King Cup in Delray, where we had uh, gender equality uh, discussions. Uh, Our theme art uh, has been done by a woman. and uh, the theme art is spectacular and all throughout um, our site. Monday night will be a tribute to Billy. It will be a ceremony that no one wants to miss. It'll be on uh, ESPN for everyone to watch. We have this Champions of Equality essay series uh, on usopen.org that I mentioned. And then on Thursday, Women's Semis, we will have uh, Billy along with Christian Amanpour and a few other guests to not just talk about the past, but what we all can do, what companies can do, what media outlets can do to help us close this gap for other women's sports and for women in general and minorities to receive equal compensation. So it is to celebrate the moment, but it's also what does the next 50 years look like and how do we get there at a faster rate than this last 50 years? Yeah, actually, I wanted to end on that note. So, you know, what what is that next step? You know, maybe not the next 50 years of steps, but, but what, what is the next big movement you think in to, you know, have better equality across genders and across, you know, races and ethnicities? Okay. If we look at the, the business model in men's sport, you have billionaires, deep pocket business people who are investing 
And <clears throat> look, uh, we are now seeing it. Look at uh, women's professional soccer. The number of deep pocket investors, celebrities, all of that, more capital and more confidence. Alexis Ohanian, Serena's husband. This is good business. And, you know, it's not just about looking at the annual uh, return on investment. It's a long play. It's an asset build. And for some reason, we haven't looked at women's pro sport in the same way. It's like it has to paper right out of the gate. Whereas many male professional sports are skinny on on the annual uh, net con- net margin, net excess, but asset asset value appreciation is 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 the big driver. We need that mindset. We need those that have uh, the resources to invest in women's sports. We need brands to contribute, and as important, all of us as consumers, we need to watch, consume, read of front office sports and support women's sports. Absolutely. Stacey Allister, great to have you on. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you, Owen. That is it for today. We have some excellent guests, including NFL players coming up. So hit that subscribe button if you have not already. You can also share the show with a friend. We'll give you new things to talk about across the sports world every day. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow.